Hi, this is Candy Allison, and this is my horror podcast, The House That Screams. I have some great guests with me tonight. I've got Cameron Sullivan. My neck, my sexy back. <laughs> I've got Rob Antequera. How do you do? <laughs> I have Sean Smith. Konnichiwa. <laughs> and I have Daniel Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Greetings, horror fanatics. Tonight's episode, we are going to talk about modern horror. It's up in the air a little bit on what is considered modern. For all intents and purposes here, we're considering from about 1995 onward. And I'm eager to talk about this. And I'm going to start us off with Daniel. Uh (laughs) Welcome to hell. In terms of modern horror, uh, there's a little topic that I find quite polarizing. Torture porn. Yes. Uh, I knew that was going to come up. Yes. Mm. Might as well get it out of the way at the back then, because the three that I will most readily associate with that subgenre are Saw, Hostel, and Human Centipede. Exactly my thoughts, yes. And in all three cases, I actually love the first installment of each of those franchises for their originality, their gutsiness, and the fact that in terms of the graphic gore, they didn't actually go all that far in each case with the first installments of each of those franchises. But from there, it just descended so rapidly. Hostel was a little edgy. Yeah, Hostel a little more so. But with each franchise, from the first installment on, they just descended so rapidly. They lost Mm -hmm. any semblance of uh, story, any semblance of character. It was all about the blood and the the shit and just pure kills. Yeah, kill counts. Like they have you know, compilations and... of like the kills in the Saw movies. My thirteen-year-old son was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen all the kills." What? Yeah, and the thing <laughs> is, be, be, being the history buff that I am, I can appreciate the use of Lavender Word accurate depictions of really graphic violence. Yeah. To, give, to really give people that effect, it can be very unsettling. I mean, j- just imagine a movie that depicts what really went on during the Spanish Inquisition. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. But again, with with like Saw and with Hostel and with Human Centipede, they just went straight off the cliff. I really wish I knew what happened. Money. Shock value. Money is the root of all evil. (laughs) Sheer laziness. As as somebody who is into the special effects and the makeup, you know, all of those movies, they did a knockout job, you know, with their special effects, but knockout to the point to where almost realistic and kind of gut-wrenching. The orgasm yeah. in Hostel, I thought he was going to be ill, and that's hard for me to do. The, and... the crazy thing about with, with Saw, like Saw wasn't even really, I mean it had scenes of violence, but it wasn't even really about the graphic depiction of, you know, the death scenes. It was more about the suspense factor of it all. It was yeah. more like closer to like a... all those films that Saw was probably the best one because it was, you know, I like those kind of claustrophobic tales. You know, yeah. you had the suspense and, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of drama and just tightness, suspense, claustrophobia, like tension, these great things. But uh, it was probably the best one. It really was. I think oh, yeah. Out of all yeah. It, was, it was a marvelously original concept. 
Oh yeah, he's he's become you know fantastic director he, in his own yeah, right. James Wan. Yeah. Oh, did you have any other specific titles that you wanted to mention, Daniel? Um, well, I was going to reserve this for next uh, go round, but uh, in terms of torture porn, also there's another thing that gets me is the whole evil reigns idea, and I, I very much blame Rob Zombie for this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he has a lot to answer for. I, I liked the original House of a Thousand Corpses, that first film. It was again, it was original, do, yeah. And it was as stupid as it was at so much time. It was open about it. But then he just recycled that formula over and over and over. And the big thing to me, and this definitely infected like Saw and uh, Hostel and Human Centipede, is how the bad guy wins. Color me a traditionalist, but at the end, Freddy, Jason, Michael, they would still lose typically at the end of their films. Yeah. 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 But, but Rob Zombie would never do that. And I think it bled over into a lot of other modern horror. Where they, they feel like the bad guy has to be the bad guy has to be portrayed as winning and that gets so monotonous so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And now and now he's stuck doing that type of movie forever because he's he's continuously wanted to move on and he just they just like, Oh, we'll 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 fund this project if you do another one of, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses type movies. Oh. It's just he, he cannot he literally cannot do anything else. He's kind of been typecast as a director. Exactly. I was listening to Rob Zombie earlier and White Zombie, and I like horror music. What Rob Zombie did is a lot of, similar to what Misfits have done, but where Misfits are, you know, they're a punk band, and they just kind of kept it schlock movies, and were making these punk songs about it. Rob Zombie kind of did, like, this bluesy metal, almost kind of sexy horror music. And it was really well done, and I like it. And I just, when he did movies, I was really disappointed. I was like, please just make music. Because I, yeah. I didn't even like that. The House of a Thousand Corpses. And that is a hot take because everybody likes that movie. But I, I can't stand it. It's dumb. I hate it. I really don't like any of his movies. And if that's the best one you got, then no thanks. <laughs> Good way to say it. Well, more, more importantly, when, when everyone goes, I can only make this kind of movie or that kind of movie. Most of the time, I just wonder, okay, well. You tried? I, I, I think you should... I'm not saying be dishonest, but you can definitely bullshit the people and say, okay, let's make this kind of movie. But, you know, so you can fiddle around with the Alan script. Smithy. More importantly, just you can acknowledge some of the script, but then ignore the rest of it without getting necessarily in trouble with the Writers Guild. But you know, see, you can all. Even if there's, if his name is on that in big letters anywhere, or if it's his name is referenced, they're going to expect that. So he's got to. You know, play it down. That's a good point, too. It is very much like, I mean, filmmakers kind of have it worse than a music artist because a music artist is kind of the same way. You expect them to sing a kind of tune, regardless of whether they want to move on or that's the only kind of brand of music their agents are going to even remotely publish. And so, yeah, with filmmakers, it is kind of always a wonder and people are stupid. They just look at the names, so they expect that's the person who's in charge of it all is like, no, it's, it's, it's the companies, it's the producers. And music is a little bit more forgiving. I mean, yeah. You can the lines a little bit easier than you can with film. You yeah, can you can do you like can. a creative side project, you know what I mean? Like, look at Slipknot, and then Corey Taylor has the awful like Stone Sour. I don't like them. But um, I like Slipknot. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But he can do that, and that's okay. It's, yeah, you can have five awful records. 
you can do just live touring and nothing else. But and that's been another problem lately. We've had a lot of talented people who won't tour. They won't do conventions if they're a celebrity or they won't. If they're a music artist, they won't do a live concert and that's how they get paid. So then they realize, oh, the check's not clearing. So maybe I got to move on. <laughs> well, I know that's why Jerry Only and Glenn Danzig made up for Misfits. And they got plenty of our dollars. But I was so happy to see them because they broke up when I was like five. <laughs> yeah. I was really excited, but they did get a lot of our dollars. <laughs> and I know that's the only way that Glenn and Jerry made up because you know how Glenn Danzig is. He is a bastard. <laughs> and I love him, but he's a bastard. Gene Simmons. He's a Gene Simmons. He's, oh, he's not cool. as bad as Gene Simmons. No one is that cool. no, no one is that bad. But no it, one's that bad. But, Gene but it, that's the template. That's the, it's all about the Benjamins. <laughs> right. So moving on, uh, let's go to Rob. Ah. Oh. Ah. What's that <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm going to go with the obvious choice, and I'm going to choose Scream. Scream is, uh, which is kind of appropriate because this podcast is called The House That Screams. Yeah. So um, this this is kind of movie is kind of important. My kind of going into the the horror genre, you know what I'm saying? Because I was born in '84, so mm-hmm. by the time I started getting into horror movies, I kind of missed all the big important movements in horror, like the the slasher boom of the early '80s, and then you know you had the the yeah, the bladder like movies. Yeah, like, you know, like, everything I saw was, like, by the time I called on to it, it was already old. And uh, also, by that point, like, the slasher genre was kind of just in a in a state of flux, where it was like, you know, yeah. they just weren't, you know, as, as great as they used to be, or, like, they weren't drawing the crowds yeah, they used to. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, by the time I started getting into it, like, the, the big slasher movies was, like, New Nightmare... And uh, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which both bombed. Um, Dr. Giggles, which is a favorite of mine, and that bombed. <laughs> um, oh, my brother <laughs> loves that movie. Yeah. Oh, I love Dr. Giggles. I, I really do love Dr. Giggles. It's, it's such a... such a It's really silly. Twisted movie. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, but it, it, it knows it's silly. That's, the, that's the, the best part of it. It knows it's a silly slasher movie. And, yep. it, and it's just, you know, the casting of Larry Drake in that is just a stroke of genius. Yeah. But um, when, when Larry Drake passed, I was saying on my feed, you know, just it is such a pity we never got Dr. Giggles versus Ice Cream Man. But that would have been great. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I remember like. Well, before Scream came out, the last big slasher movie was Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, you know, yep. the theatrical Which cut. Which was, was actually just like, a decent movie. I prefer the producer's cut, but uh, that one was uh, all right. Uh, like the added gore effects by uh, the late, great John Carr Beekler were a nice touch. But um, yeah, it, that one kind of fizzled out, too. You know what I'm saying? I think it only made like like 15 million at the box office, and that was just like... It was just a sign that uh, the slasher genre was dead. Yeah, and then, the 80s were over. Let's do something different because it was so saturated. Right. I, I always find it interesting how some franchises gladly put the number on everything and others avoid that completely. It's always, you know, take the title and then add, you know, a subtitle, you know? Yeah, Hellraiser, subtitle, right, yeah. Hellraiser, Hellbound. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
But then uh, Scream came out, and then it was like, that was the first time I ever experienced something that seemed like a phenomenon. Because I remember when Scream came out, everybody was talking about it. Like, we were all oh, like... Yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, and I just, when I that saw that movie, bucks, it was an absolute bucks. game changer. It changed yeah, it, everything. Because it was meta, it, you know, it, it recognized slasher films. It talks about horror movies, and then it was its own spooked. thing. Right. Yeah. You know, that that was that was the beauty of it. You know what I'm saying? That uh it was it was kinda because the thing about slasher movies is just like, you know, you, you'd always ask those questions like why like one of my favorite things is um uh Friday the thirteenth part seven, the new blood, where um one of my favorite characters in the movie is Maddie and uh she she wants to the, the guy David and she like, you know, she pretties herself up, you know, need a little touch up work my ass. And then after she does that, she immediately goes outside in the woods to look for David. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why did you just go? And like, you know, scream the beauty of scream it, it addresses problems like that. Like, why would you do this? Why would you do that? While like, you know, being you know creative and doing its own thing, but you know, paying tribute to to the slash movies before it. You know what I'm saying? Not in a like a mocking sense, but like it's acknowledging the cliches. And, you know, it does its own thing, but, like, it's a true, in the essence, a slasher movie in itself. As much you know? as Jeremy and, Kennedy got on my nerves, but when he starts talking about the rules when they're at that party, mm-hmm. you know, the rules. The rules and, you know, from because they were watching, you know, slasher films, and, and he's like, well, here are all, all the rules. And that you know, is, it's like, wow, there's a horror movie right. that's admitting that there, we live in a world with horror movies. Right. Um, you know... That's my favorite scene in the movie because it, it features my favorite piece of dialogue in there. When uh, he was like, uh, never say, the, my favorite rule is never say the words, I'll be right back because you won't be back. To which Matt Lillard replies, I'm getting another I'll be beer. Right I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Lillard <laughs> is one of my favorite actors and it's sad that we don't see him in too much. And that movie really just made me go, that guy is so talented. He's so great in this film. And that oh, yeah. was a movie where, yeah, I mean, I just, he was the best part of it. Him and Rose McGowan. I love yeah, him. Yeah, he, he, he deserves the, he, uh, Matthew Lillard deserves the, the Shining Star Award for. Absolutely. Uh, he was for, so for great. And I, I loved him previously because he was in Serial Mom, and I love Serial Mom. <laughs> I um, oh my goodness, that. I haven't seen that in forever. I, I love that. Serial that's probably my uh, that and Crybaby are my favorite John Waters movies, and um, <laughs> um, like you know, so but like yeah, Tatum too. Uh, she she's one of my favorite, but Stu is probably the shining star of like when. Uh, matter of fact, to, to to go back to my topic of uh, my point where like everybody was talking about the movie like everywhere, like around, I was in junior high school, and like it, it got now to I the point old. where you. Have, you you have to state the plot twist as if it were a fucking password in order to like get the conversation. Like, uh, oh, y'all talk about Scream? You seen Scream? Yeah, I seen Scream. You ain't seen Scream. Yeah, I seen Scream. All right, who was the killer? I two scream, killers. Scream. We all scream, the, scream. The, the, so it was pretty much the, like Godfather where everybody was just right. saying it to be cool. It was like, right. it was like bullshit. It doesn't it mean anything if you, happen, if you don't actually like it. If you don't like it, say that. Or you like it, I don't remember. a great plot twist. And like, and not just one, but many. And then the and ultimate that, plot twist. Right. And that was the beauty of it, because what it does beautifully that no one really realizes is that 
it combines the two uh, main tropes of um, the slasher movie in the 80s is that the mascot killer and the whodunit. Because, like, the slasher movies of the 80s, you were either uh, the mascot killer or the whodunit. The mascot killer, as you know, is, you know, when a slasher movie has a killer with a distinctive look, you know, in hopes of, like, you know, starting a franchise so, you know, this killer could go on and be, like, you know, the next Michael or the next Jason or mm-hmm. the next Freddy, the next Chucky. <laughs> and then the other side is the whodunit, where so everybody's like, oh, who's the killer? You know, like, you know, is it this person? Is it that person? Which is, you know, prom night. Or like you know, to a lesser extent, Terror Train. You know that god awful Happy Birthday to Me. You know you you had the you know where it's like who's the killer? And like Scream blends those two perfectly, where you have a killer with a distinctive look that went on throughout the rest of the series, but also it's like all right, so who's the main killer? You know what I'm saying? Who's the the, the main suspect? And like you know, it, and it beautifully maintains that through the rest of the series. I mean, and every the rest time of the you think. I mean, in in the first one, and I don't like to think about the other ones, but the first one, especially, you think you have it figured out like five different times. And maybe one of those times you were right, but then you were like, no, 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 no. Can't be that person. And then the (laughs) ultimate twist at the end, you know, I didn't see that coming. And I was like, wow, my only complaint, and this is where I was going to get you on this one, was I was thinking you were going to say something about Nev Campbell. No, she's the one that kind of like, was the stick in the mud for me on on the screen movies is she just can't act she cannot uh-huh. act her, her way out of the paperback she was you know people say that about Kristen Stewart well Nev Campbell's got that same Kristen Stewart face for emotion I've I, seen I, even I, some dramatic stuff I think she is just good at playing those calm she was quiet types decent yeah. in um what was that movie uh Why? with her and Denise Richard uh, oh, Wild Things. Oh, yeah. Wild Things. Wild Things. Now, she was decent in that, but, like, in Scream, it's just nonstop. One emotion, one note. I, I, I she just, I how, couldn't root for her. I couldn't root for her. How dare you talk that way about Sidney Prescott? I, <laughs> I just did it, and that was going to be To be fair, Wes Craven's not the best actor either. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. And he's a good um, filmmaker, but. No, 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 like, the, no, I, I, you know, it, it, I mean, you kind of got to know how to act to give good acting direction. That's all I'm getting. (laughs) I hear you. But uh, I mean, like, you know, it it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I personally think she's great. She's one of my top uh, final girls in in all of uh, Slash movies. I mean, I I obviously prefer Heather Langenkamp over everyone. But uh, thank you. uh, Yes. To me, Neff Campbell and Sidney Prescott is right up there. And, um, I mean, it, it's to, it's to the point where I'm so biased to Nev Campbell. Like I saw that movie, uh, Skyscraper, and um, she's in a with, uh, total homage. Yeah, to and, and I remember. And, uh, <laughs> I, I saw I saw with my roommate die, and uh, you could ask her like the my my biggest thing that I liked about the movie is like it's so great seeing Nev Campbell on screen again. You know, saying like I don't give a shit about this movie, but I just like seeing Nev Campbell up there kicking ass. You know, it was that was my favorite part of the movie was watching Nev Campbell on screen. She kind of just, I, I don't know, I just couldn't root for her. There was just something about her character or the way she, <laughs> you know, acted in the film. I just couldn't root for her. I was more interested in the uh, the villain aspect. After <laughs> after Rose McGowan went down, I was really upset. I was like, I liked her. Yeah, Hayden was awesome. Like, I love her, uh, the scene after Sydney punches Gail. Like, I seen you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. I seen you a copy. 
Damn, Sid, super bitch. Let <laughs> <laughs> me wonder why the Wayans start spoofing those movies. Uh, yeah. You had to bring <laughs> Why? Why? Can I interject my big gripe with Scream? Yes. Well, two things was that the constant plot twist of who's the villain got on my nerves. But by the end, I was just like, just get it over with! <laughs> but also, David get Arquette. Get with it! Wait, what? David Arquette? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Daniel's big uh, pet peeve would be that David Arquette is uh, well-known. Yeah. Earlier, how much uh, you dislike David Arquette. <laughs> all, all, when I when I look at him, all I can think of is those goddamn phone commercials in the late '90s that were on all the fucking time. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too much. David Arquette was turning down. <laughs> and, and and the fact that he killed WCW. That was the death nail right there. With, oh, uh, I didn't know that. It, yeah, he um, he won. Uh, he won the, what was it, which championship so belt did to, he win? To, to, to give the full story here, he, had, <laughs> he is a wrestling fan himself. And he starred in a movie produced by Time Warner that featured a lot of the world championship wrestling stars. Yeah, I remember <laughs> and, that. And it, it, is, it is such a stupid movie. It's offensive to your intelligence. Yeah. I didn't watch it, so I'm Be grateful. Glad. But to promote oh, yeah. it, they put him. They put him on WCW TV and actually put their top title on him, and their ratings never recovered. People were just so yeah. disgusted. That was the death nail of it. The uh, was the that whole shit. <laughs> and, 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 and if if Cantley was not aware, he actually is back wrestling now. He does small shows that like uh, happen in front of armories or high school gyms, and apparently almost got killed doing that last year. Goodness gracious. <laughs> we just saw him, what, two years ago? Yeah. Was when his it, sister died, because I remember I felt bad because we kept talking, we kept walking by and being like, what a douche. And then he had to leave suddenly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Died. I remember. That was, that was about two years ago. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, it was longer than that. Uh, was it three years ago? That's kind of my issue in general with these live events. We've talked in the past before about conventions and everything. They just need to up the amount of PR, you know? Instead of just asking that the celebrity who's already stressed out trying to do a good job, can we not just have someone who's there with them, you know, addressing the public? You know, and trust me, if I was a celebrity and I had a PR person, I'd be more, I'd be happy as a fly because I know I have someone else who has my back who can you know, communicate to everybody what I'm that's why, thinking that's why, that's why Joe Bob Briggs is doing so good right now. He's got Darcy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Darcy, yes. Diana Prince. <laughs> she's pretty, but uh, you can tell her face isn't real. Well, she's like <laughs> what you expect. <laughs> but, but, like, the way that her face moves... It face I... we're looking at. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know if her face That's my point. She's an adult entertainer, so of course nothing you see on her is yeah. real. But see, it's just her face, <laughs> like, I mean, I think she could be very, very pretty and I like her. I like her, her you know, just the rapport with, with Joe Bob. I, <laughs> I watched uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and there's uh, one queen uh, detox who admittedly has had a lot of face work done and they, their faces are the same. Like, the cheekbones are, don't look right. Like, I'm just like, I, I don't know if there's a face there. 
<laughs> I can't tell her face. I know everybody else is looking at your boobs, but I'm like, I look at boobs all day. I don't really need to look at boobs. I mean, I'm okay with looking at boobs. I'm not mad about it. And then it's okay. I, I, I really, I'm impressed by women who, you know, just, just feel confident about their bodies, whatever their body size is. Like you do your thing, girl, whatever makes you happy. I'm not, I, I don't ever slut shame. And I never, I just call them liberated or whatever. Like, I don't have to agree with him and she's doing her thing and that makes her happy. I just, it's her face is a little weird. It's hard for me to look at her face and it's not <laughs> because she's ugly. It's just kind of like, I can't figure it out. It was like a puzzle. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Boob, boobs is a, is a great, uh, you know, <laughs> topic of discussion. Personally, I have no problem. And see, that's part of, you know, being a horror fan and especially growing up on slashers in the eighties, like, if you're offended by titties, you need to exit now. I'm not offended. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I don't like women who slut shame at all. I don't think you should. If a woman is proud of her body and wants to show it up, let her. Like, that's cool. Fair, hey, that's, you do you, man. instigating that, too. They're doing the whole, oh, look how such a whore. I'm like, well, you're the guy. Well, like, I mean, and that's slut shaming, too. And it's like, yeah, and it's, it's. It's not fair, you know. It's not fair to 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 judge women who are empowered by that. Like, if that's your thing, do it. Like, and there's a lot of you know the whole Mean Girls thing is a real thing. Um, being a female, I have experienced it, and it's just we gotta have each other's backs. You know what I mean? We don't have to agree, but we gotta have each other's backs. Totally agree, especially in this time and age. It's like okay, and yeah, anyone and, and who's if, your friend, keep talking to them. And if, if you're if you are offended by this kind of thing, offended by nudity, offended by scantily clad females, you're in the wrong genre, buddy. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're gonna watch horror movies and complain about that, then maybe you shouldn't watch horror movies. That's I'll just kind of part and parcel. I'll right. do you one better. Some light over here. Trash taking off her clothes again. Uh, and I'm I'll completely non-offended. I'm never like, wow, what a horror. I'm just like, oh, she's so cool. You know, like I, I think she's genuinely Lene Quigley. Uh, I think she's really cool. Uh, well, what I'm really sick of is when everyone just debates what's gratuitous versus what is, or, you know, this violence is too much, this violence is excessive. I've gotten in endless arguments with stupid people on, you know, what's too much. And it's like, I would argue with some people who are like, oh, it's fantasy. It's all, it's all good. But if it's a real life story they're adapting, then it's too much. I'm like, okay, regardless, guys, we're watching a movie right now. This violence isn't actually happening. If you have, a, if you are that squeamish, why are you watching this? Turn it off. Yeah, and if <laughs> if you are finding this stuff offensive, then don't. It wasn't in the trailer. It wasn't in the trailer. Well, the trailer is never accurate, ever. No. <laughs> Moving on, Cameron. Alrighty, I'm really loving how a lot of indie horror is kind of being more experimental. Horror has yes. always been friendly to indie stuff, but in post-2010s, it was really cool how, uh, you know, Warner Brothers had its raw feed, uh, Dimension Films had different elements, Sony and Fox were getting with the program, always Sony screen gems, so I, I really liked how, I mean, don't get me wrong, yes, there was plenty of garbage that was ripping off Scream and oh, yeah. big giant yeah. icon, but there, there's some good, and that's just it. I mean, people were grabbing it off the video store shelf, regardless of whether it played in a theater or not, or just at a limited screening. Um, one particular movie that's a favorite of mine uh, is From Within, which is about a bunch of people in Maryland who are uh, come under siege by a demented cult. 
it's just a beautiful looking movie all around. And what do you expect? The director was a cinematographer, but uh, I do, I do like how uh, just building on the earlier points, how we are having all these other sub genres, you know, serial killers were always in every genre, whether it was dark comedy or action or crime or horror. But uh, I mean, right now there's this new movie out right now uh, called pre revenge, (laughs) <laughs> which is about this one gal who's like seven months pregnant and just going on a killing spree. So it, okay. I, I like how we are all having all these extra sub genres. Everybody is taking note of each other. Uh, Green Room's another example of how to do a home invasion kind of thriller. Uh, my personal favorite, what that really made me say, uh, I have a good feeling about the future of horror. It was probably when 2011 hit and your next came out. Oh, I love your next. Just a fun, just witty movie, and it's just what you need. You need a movie that isn't so busy with just, you know, referencing, and instead is just like, hey, I know people often react to something like this. How about I do my own little twist on it? And it's like, perfect, do that. Instead of just, like you said before, let's do all the second guessing, you know. Because even prior to Scream, there was a lot of movies in the States that were ripping off Giallo stuff because, you know, those were playing at drive-ins and on edited antenna channels late at night. And so they were just thinking, hey, they they know how to do it, but they didn't know what made it merit. They just thought, hey, have a absolutely batshit stupid plot twist and a genre star. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be red herring. Right. <laughs> Uh, the right. the guy the yeah it's the police chief who's killing all the kids at school because well he just is. <laughs> no, nothing worse than a happy birthday to me. Oh God, <laughs> I can I, I cannot say enough bad things about that movie. <laughs> oh God! Literally earlier today, I was watching The Lighthouse, an independent horror movie from last year. Uh, I I love it. Yeah, I thought you know, the lighthouse was a great. different take, and and especially relevant for the current situation, just the effect that isolation will have on mm-hmm. you. Right. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about the lighthouse. With yeah, and your thoughts. <laughs> but you like me, lobster, don't you? <laughs> Such a fucking weird movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I liked how it was shot. The director, I'll just leave it there. The, the director from the Favich. <laughs> Oh. All right, Sean Smith, what would you like to offer up? Well, I've chosen a specific film, but I've only chosen it so that we could segue into a uh, much broader topic. Um, okay. We kind of touched on it a little bit last week, Blair Witch Project. And I chose it because of the found footage revival. And, you know, the found footage, especially with horror films, kind of you know has kind of a murky past there were some i, I had to do some research cannibal, cannibal, holocaust. Hol- cannibal holocaust now <laughs> there there are <laughs> some scenes tapes. that are found footage and there are some scenes that are you know acted out whatever but you know i would classify that as found footage i came across a couple others uh man bites dog uh which came out in 93 and ufo abduction which came out in 89 now i haven't seen those but you know, the thing with Blair Witch, and, and like we spoke about, you know, last week, it, for me, when I saw it, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, it was intriguing. And I hadn't and seen anything. And had a great PR thing building up to it. Oh, my God. Very that, that, that was easily its thing. biggest contribution. And that's, I think that that's what made it so successful. 
is, you know, I remember the on the Sci-Fi Channel they had the documentary Curse of the Blair Witch. Curse of the Blair Witch. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I mean, everything about it seemed real. You know, you had these these interviews and you had these fake news reels and you know these newspaper articles and you know things like that. And and in doing my research on this, I learned that when they when they took the film to uh, Sundance. They actually handed out flyers with yeah. the missing persons, um, yeah. which you yeah. know, I mean, I heard about that. You know, so we're talking about a movie that had a budget of sixty thousand dollars. It grossed two hundred and forty-eight million for, for and, nearly a decade. It was the most successful uh, indie horror film. Yeah, and I that, remember and so, seeing it in a theater, and it really terrified me. And there, you don't really see anything, but it was terrifying. It was really suspenseful. It's um, what they put in It was in really well done. Yeah. The sense of yeah. paranoia. Right. Yeah. But, you know, from that, it spawned this whole subgenre. And, there and have everyone been some... did one, including George Mara. Yeah. Like, oh, they've, George, yeah. No. They, and, and, you know, that's one of those things, you know, Diary of the Dead, we kind of wished he hadn't have done it. We call yeah. it diarrhea of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There have been some some really successful ones. Cloverfield, Paranormal Activity. Um, you know. I so, actually like Paranormal Activity. I yeah. know that Cameron hates me for that. Or the first one. Everyone loves what they love. You called it paranormal shitivity. I couldn't. I saw the first two in the theaters, and I was so scared when I came home that I had every light on in the house. And I mean, it was it was just so well done. I I honestly thought they were just really fucking scary. All right. the The crazy thing about paranormal activity, I went to see the first one in the theater, right? And I, I went with my girlfriend at the time, and she wanted to see. The new Saw, I, don't, I think it was Saw 6 that That's came out cool. at the same time. And um, as we were sitting in the theater, I was like, no, let's go see Paranormal Activity instead. And we're sitting in the theater and, the, you know, it begins. And she's looking at it for about like two minutes and she goes, wait, is the whole movie going to be like this? And I'm like, yeah. She was like, <sighs> right. <laughs> but by the time we get to the scene where the sheet lifts up and the demon drags Katie out of the bed. I, it was like maybe like 10 people in the theater and the majority women. When that leg lifts up and it starts dragging out of the bed, you can hear all the women in the theater go, <gasps> Yeah. I was included in that, you know, when I saw I saw it in a packed theater. To this day, my father refuses to watch it because he doesn't like the idea, you know, the, the fact that a lot of the, the, the scene, yeah, the, the, especially when you're sleeping and he hates, like, you know, that just disturbs him you know because like that's when you're disturbing. most vulnerable when yeah. that's a good when you're point. most vulnerable is when you're sleeping you know and, and going that's back, the scary back to like you know me talking about my sleep disorders you know i i have trouble sleeping and i'm always curious and i have these weird dreams these things happen and so i'm like i always wanted to record myself sleeping but i'm terrified of like what i would see yeah, I know that no, sounds that, stupid i know how you feel about it but I, that's, <laughs> I'm scared. Well, no 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 that that's a good point uh that now it seems like you know, since the 80s, you know, it was very popular to often have the whole... I forget what movie it was. I think it was a movie that didn't even exist, but they had a fake poster that said banned in, like, over 20 countries or some shit like that, you know? And and so it is a pretty common mar- it's marketing gimmick to now make people think that this is a movie you 
can't watch without being affected by it. And for whatever reason, it always attracts all this morbid fascination. And uh, I mean, ever since, again, Blair Witch and even The Ring, people are like, oh, I'm going to probably be possessed or get killed if I watch this. I'm like, oh, my God. It's just yeah, but a movie. It's cinema. And that, that kind of harkens back to the 60s and 70s exploitation where, you know, you have these warnings at the beginning that, you know, ambulances are on standby and uh, people are going to yeah. pass out. Here are these barf bags, Gimmicks. you know, in case. Yeah. Well, and, and so, uh, that's William Castle. It was, uh, it was real because people were fainting at the exorcist. Nothing had ever been done by like that. So it was like a real thing. And people did it with Psycho as well. No. It was so shocking. So they took that and be like, hey, if we say that's going to happen in our movie, you know. <laughs> no. Just to go back to the, the found footage thing. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I did enjoy the Blair Witch. You know, it was fresh. It was new. But there are a couple that I do like. Um, and I'm going to throw these out there. Recommend them if you guys haven't seen them. Troll Hunter. Um, oh, yeah. Love it. Apollo 18. And Europa I wanted Report. to see that. Wait, what was the last one? I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry, uh, Sean. What was the last one? Europa Report. Oh, Europa Report. Seen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of sci-fi horror. And there's not a whole lot of it out there. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen Pandorum. Um, oh, Pandorum's eyes. pretty cool. Yeah. 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 They're, they're pretty good. I, I, I know you'll like Hell Hell's LLC trilogy, even though that's not found footage, but it plays on that same mentality that you're watching a documentary and it might be possessed. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've brought it up. We I think. keep browsing it on Shutter and then we go on, and they're like, huh, you know, I don't know. And then we chose to watch Society, and I was like, I don't know if that was the best choice. <laughs> yeah, well, choice. yeah, Hell House is slow and brooding, and then it just <laughs> takes you over. But yeah. much like That's any movie, on my list. well, well, well uh, no one should ever be pressured to watch anything either. That's how. <laughs> That's what leads to disappointment. So, you, well, like I any or I feel pressured, but I feel like you know I should have an opinion about it. Well, you know? that well, and, and I can't have an opinion if I don't try it. Right. That and you also just got to be in a certain mood. So if you're not in the mood for something that's heavy, maybe you shouldn't watch that kind of movie tonight. Maybe if you want something you know more campy, then you got to look for something like that tonight. You know, so that's exactly it. Our moods change. It's just like people always give me shit about preparing food, but my problem is I might not be wanting to eat that kind of food the next day, you know? So we all have right. a dilemma. So and same thing with movies is like, well, I can, I don't even do Redbox anymore. I mean, I wouldn't do it now, obviously because of Corona, but I mean, even before that, I was like, well, it's going to just sit there and $30 later, I might as well have bought that piece of shit that I was going to eventually watch or just return. Cause I wasn't going to watch it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Something out there as well about found footage. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, be, being someone who was also fascinated by cryptozoology, I mean, found footage was born for movies about like you know the Mothman or Bigfoot. And uh -huh. uh, there's actually three Bigfoot found footage movies. There's uh, Exists, which was directed by one of the directors of Blair Witch, actually. And in my opinion, it's really good. It's a very fresh take on the whole like Bigfoot horror uh, subgenre. There's also mm -hmm. um, there's also Willow Creek that was directed by Bobcat Goldwright yeah. in the 80s. And uh, there's one called uh, The Lost Coast Tapes. That's a good point. 
I feel like I've I've heard of the last two. I I hadn't heard of the first one. I have never heard of Exists. If I saw this poster, it was very briefly at Redbox during college, and that was it. I don't think it was on there even that long. It's it's striking how, particularly with Bigfoot, it just was, it was born for found footage, you know? Like, uh, the idea of Bigfoot as a horror icon was dead for so long, and then found footage came along, and suddenly you had a plethora of them coming out. Well, yeah, you're right. It is perfect because of, you know, the supposed Bigfoot sightings, you know, are always on these, like, grainy cameras like here's this photo could it be bigfoot you know whatever i think that's that's perfect medium for it yeah it's even better if that is the case where you are using a videotape for real and you know you don't have the technical proficiency so you got nothing left except suspense and i think that would just add to it i think that would be perfect Mm -hmm. yeah and uh I, i will say exists i'm going to spoil a little Think something for you here. Uh, That's okay. That well, basically, it's a group of you know your 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 stock victims, horny partying teenagers. They're trapped in a cabin, being besieged by a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch. And there's just a great scene where one of them's got the camera and is looking at the cracks in the cabin wall from the wood planking. And suddenly, there's an eye looking back at them right through one of the cracks. Oh God, yeah, that would creep me out. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good scene. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to go back to the Blair Witch for a second. Um, Sean, you said you liked the the last Blair Witch, right? The the new one that came out like a couple of years ago. No, I haven't even seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it. I liked it for what it was, but the problem I have with the new one, uh, it feels like it was made to combat the the criticisms that the original Blair Witch Project have. Like you know when like. When the original Blair Witch Project came out, a lot of people's problem was like, oh, like, it's supposed to be the scariest movie ever. And it's like, it's not scary. I, I was kind of like that myself. But then I watched it before I saw the, the new Blair Witch. And I was astounded by how scary it actually is. But it's not like when people think scary, the problem is they think jump scares like, boo, you know, something jumping up. The right. And that and, you know, is something I was going to get into with modern horror is it's pretty much all jump scares anymore in mainstream modern horror. And they don't know how to time it. They just do it the whole time and it's like, okay, that's lazy. (laughs) I I realize the scariest thing about Blair Witch is that you have these three kids who, you know, from modern society who just like, they're so close to civilization, but they might as well be a million miles away. And you watch them literally just slowly kind of go insane. And that's the scary aspect of it. And yeah. that, I was just like, I was astounded about like, wow, this is, oh my God, I never realized, you know, how just amazing this movie is, especially with the character of Heather, when you realize like, she's kind of like the Captain Ahab of the story. Yeah. It's like, like, cause you know, yeah. like with found footage films, the problem is, is that you find yourself asking, why don't they just put the fucking camera down? Just put yeah, the you camera have to find down. a way to convince, yeah. to convince right. you know, the Convincing audience to they as and that, they keep no, rolling and, on this. And, and that's the beauty of Blair Witch and the character of Heather is that she she literally states, this is all I have, you know, and this is why you know. she refuses to stop recording, you know. And it was like, you know, she's still fucking making her movies, man. And it's like, she <laughs> yeah. said, this is all I fucking have left. 
like, <laughs> she's just continuing to record because this is all she, you know. This is all she can do. So she's kind of she's kind of and in the sort of way. Yeah. Well, I, in the end, there is an iconic scene of her in the tent saying, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry," and right. And and just that's that's what I love about the original Blair Witch that I didn't realize when I watched when I was younger because I was stupider back then. And you know, to, to, when I you compare, got it when I saw it in the theaters, like it really I, I translated it. very I didn't well. Get it I didn't get it at all. I thought it was you know it was going to be loaded with jump scares, and then I was like, what the hell is this? And then as an adult, you know, your sensibilities change, you know, and you know, yeah, you know, and the you know, creepiness that gets you more so than a jump scare does. Right, and then you watch the new Blair Witch, and it's loaded with jump scares, and then it's just like a kind. I mean, it's fun, like you know that kind of roller coaster ride of jump scares, but it just it loses that mystique because then it's like it's like okay, you guys are trying to fix mistakes that you feel the original one has, but you know the the original one didn't have that telling a story. Yeah, there was nothing to fix. It was just. It had a story to tell, and it told that story, and you guys are just doing, like, you know, a roller coaster ride of just, you know, well, And horror, the problem and with just... the roller coaster ride is that once you get off, you're like, go get on a different ride now. Like, that was right. fun. Let's go, let's go ride the next ride, you know? And, and yeah. it, the movie doesn't hold, you know? It doesn't mean much after that. Oh, wow, that was right. fun. Okay, it, we move it, on. It, it, it's fun for a while, but it, it literally doesn't have the same power, and you, you know you forget about it the the, the moment the ride is over. Want, you know, I like to read. You know, I read a lot of horror, and I watch a lot of horror. That's the shit that means something to me. If you can scare me, if you can make me afraid to go to the bathroom without flipping all the lights on, you know, then you've really done your job. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now I'm gonna jump in with. Something that I think is, it has been very influential, even though it was very small film. Um, it's, it's a trilogy, actually. It's we called like Cube. Yes. If you haven't seen Cube, oh, yeah. it is oh, yeah. fantastic. Go I was for a rewatch. the first time I watched it. And when it, when its influence on modern horror is that it's a lot more cerebral. Um, you're thinking. And there was, you know, real acting going on. This is like almost like a character study. The movie has these characters that just wake up and they're in this metal cube room. And it has a door above, a door below, and a door on each side. And you have to kind of like twist it and you do all this stuff and pull it open. They each have like numbers. And the numbers don't make any sense. And right. they all kind of have specific skills as you you move on through the movie. And I don't want to spoil it because it's kind of a lesser known film. Um, but... Good cast, it's really though. well done, done on like a, a shoestring budget, and it is just fantastic acting, tension. I mean, you just cannot predict. You don't understand. You're learning things as the characters learn them, and like you know, and you start to realize the scale of everything that's going on, and you're just like, oh my god! And it was just so great. I was blown away by it. And that was 1997. So. They, there were two sequels. Uh, well, actually, one sequel and one prequel. Um, there was Cube, Hypercube, which uh, Cube 2. And it was actually really well done. That was in 2002. And I was very excited to see it. You got to realize these movies are pretty bleak. But they're think pieces. They're cerebral. They're, they're you know, you think about them. And it's Everyone similar, complains but... about part two just having unlikable guys. I, I'm like, well, I that's the whole like point. Part two. <laughs> I like part two. It's It's different. But, but that's the, the point. 
is my point. Is it's, it's annoying how everyone goes, there's an unlikable guy in a horror movie. I'm like, well, that's how you create conflict when you're in a closed off room and you're trying to survive. There's always going to be that douchebag who you want to root for their comeuppance, you know? So right. that's, that's just yeah, part of the genre and no one gets that. These... It's good yeah. when there's one there's of them, though. Not, not when the, the entire cast is like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just not realistic. There's always yeah. going to be that guy who's selfish, who's a prick, who's smart, oh, yeah. but only there's wants to save his own guy. And yeah. whether it, whether it's a scientist or again the guy who created the whole thing, <laughs> it's just that's how you twist it up. Yeah. Yeah, and Hypercube I really liked, and then the ending, you know, you're kind of you, you don't really know what to root for. You don't know what's going to happen, and um, the Hypercube is different than the cube in the original. Where the horror comes in is not just in the like, why are we here? What's happening? The rooms, many of them are booby trapped, and they're trying to figure out which ones because you can go in and get sliced up or gassed or you know acid melts you down or you know. So they're trying to figure out which rooms are trapped. They're trying to survive. They're trying to figure out how to get out. And Hypercube added, you know, some other you know kind of time space weird stuff, um, or you know, just like it was just very interesting. And kind of you see these characters come to life. And then there's Cube Zero, which is the prequel to the first movie. That was in 2004. It's, it's got the lowest rating, but it's still not super low. And it, it kind of explains... I, I don't want to ruin... Uh, explains <laughs> the first movie or, or how that situation happened. You see the cube, what it is, what its function is, or what it isn't. And, you know, how these these things have come to pass and i just i love the trilogy yeah with with the cube movies i recommend uh i watched them as they came out i would not recommend watching cube zero before cube i would no. watch them as <laughs> they, they were released it means so much more to watch everything and how it goes and then see how it began it makes so much more of like a poignant you know effect on you so if you haven't seen them, dig them up. I think on IMDb they're they're showing them free. So look them up, watch them. Mm-hmm. They I think they had a very profound effect for such a small movies. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, that I was back in my video the... store days yeah. when the first one came out, and I just we had one copy. I grabbed it. I think a customer had said something about it. We had the one copy, and I took it home, and I was like, oh my god, this is so great. I was actually yeah. just today. I was watching the uh, the Twilight Zone episode of uh, Five Characters in Search of uh, uh, Exit, which um, oh, yeah. was one of the pri- yeah, which was one of the wrong. primary inspirations of a uh, cube. Uh-huh. Yes, great episode. One of my favorites. Uh, it's hard to find a bad Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, they, they were all the, so well written. I, I could give you one the Bewitching Pool. That's a that's the What's her name? Aunt T. Yeah, they have to dive into the pool and they come into the alternate uh, dimension on the other side. I don't think that's a bad episode, actually. I think it's it, it's not. It's not my there's favorite. No so right, there's no bad episode, but it's not one that I would I particularly like to revisit. You know, it's like there's it's plenty the of stuff ending. that you watch and you're like, that's a one time watch. Nothing against right. it. Not right. saying it's bad, it's just like I know the twist ending now, I have no reason to re watch it again. Yeah, but right. then there are plenty of other ones where 
they stay Every with time you. you watch them you get like, like, like more of the effects like you know yeah. the nightmare at 20,000 feet like I feel that tension I, I'm sweating when William Shatner sweating you know like oh my god <laughs> you know which one stays with me uh you ever seen the fever the one with the the, the, the guy goes the, to the, the, coin, the casino the coin machine uh, whatever the slot machine yeah and, yeah. and the thing talking to him and I'm like oh shit right <laughs> Franklin, like <laughs> I, I remember, I I went to a casino in Jersey. I went to Atlantic City, and um, oh, my my girlfriend, was, I was like, uh, "Hey, come on, let's play the slot machines." And I'm like, "No, I seen the fever. I, I'm good, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> if it's not real life lottery, then it's something else. <laughs> right. This is this. She didn't understand until I showed her the episode. I'm like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. But going back to Cube, just to sum it up, I think it ushered in like more like cerebral, thought-provoking, psychological horror. There's a lot more of that around. And I will touch on, you know, just since we've all done our round thing, I'm going to start off on just a, a couple honorable mentions. Um, the Conjuring is actually a really good movie. It does have the jump scares, but not they're not like overdone creepy movie and i really like uh vera farminga i like uh patrick wilson as the warrens i just think it's it's a really well done movie i saw that in the theaters and it scared me the guy in front of me i ended up with popcorn all over me he he screamed and threw popcorn (laughs) on me and then i (laughs) but the guy screamed and he was like all embarrassed looking at me he's like i'm sorry (laughs) I'm like, yeah, God, I thought I would have been first. I was second. I screamed second. <laughs> I went to see Insidious to, to, to add to that. And uh, there was these two girls that were sitting in front of me. And uh, midway through the movie, they left and they never came back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my daughter and I sat and watched that. And that's when she was first getting into horror movies. And she's like, oh, we got to see Insidious. And we watched it. Uh, we were at home. But, yeah, she was just, like, really into it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this movie is nuts. Yeah. I thought it was well done. While we're we're discussing this, can we talk about jump scares? Yes, sure, please. Sure. That's where I was kind of going. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so what's everybody's take on the whole jump scare thing? Because I know that's kind of like the, uh, the thing now in horror movies. It's all about uh, timing. Great, great, great I like when they're earned. Years. I like I like when they're earned. I don't like cheap uh, cheap scares like you know the right. the cat jumping in right. or the, I like I like when it's like it comes like during a suspenseful scene, you know, where like you know they they've earned that scare when it's just like yeah. just a cheap one like like hey, I was looking for you. Where have you been? You know, it's like <laughs> oh, come on. It's this like is, I want to slap this movie so hard. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I give it the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, I, I just don't know half the time how much of it is, you know, producers meddling with it. Because yeah. half the time when you watch a movie, you it'll start out either crappy and get better in the last two thirds or vice versa. It starts off good and then it goes downhill. So and half the time it just seems like, you know, someone is going in or the movie's doing something right but you can't see it on screen because they're either, again, they had too much freedom 
to mess around with this or someone just fucked around in editing. And so as a result, the, you know, the music's a little over the top and not exactly fitting or like you say, the jump scares are used up. So much like a suspense movie, you've, you've thrown, you've taken all the rabbits out of the hat. So well, what's now? I also have a fun fact for you all. I'm full oh of fun facts. I, I love like being able to share them. Here's a fun fact. Yeah. Um, when you see a, a movie in the theater, for instance, The Conjuring, what they do now is there is a tone that is played that is not perceptible by the human ear. So you don't know that you're hearing this tone. But what this tone does to your body is it creates a panic, an anxiety um, reaction in your body so that when the jump scare happens, cheap or not, you, you jump, you, you scream. You know, and I'm like, hey, you're cheating, fuckers. I'm anxiety. <laughs> I don't need your help. Well, that's a good point. There's a lot of stuff because when it gets remastered, it for whatever reason, it does not get converted to the home media. So there is oh, always no, something. This is this is a theater only thing, but I just don't like being manipulated like that. Like you got to earn it. Don't right. you know create a sensation in my body so I'm gonna be more apt to go. Oh wow, I saw this movie and it scared the shit out of me. Like you have to actually scare me. Don't trick me into being scared. I mean, that's literally manipulating your mind and your body. So that when a, a jump scare happens, you're you're going to scream. And you're going to tell your friends about how scary it was. And it's like, but then they watch it and they're like, it wasn't that scary. Because, you know, they're watching it at home on streaming or, or, you know, whatever. And they're like, it wasn't that bad. You know, I didn't jump. And I'm like, well, those bastards. <laughs> and this is your big oh. budget horror. And I'm like, you, you guys don't need those kind of bells and whistles. If you're doing a solid movie, you don't need to do that. You really don't. Right. And I think, you know, right now to find the best horror experiences in modern, you know, genre is to go your independence. Uh, A24 puts out really great movies. Oh, yeah. Um, I, was, I was trying to watch Midsummer last night and there was technical difficulties and it was late, so I didn't get to watch it. But, um, I, I but, have know, they, they, Midsummer and I still haven't watched it. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to see it. I know some things and i'm just like i still want to see it spoilers don't bother me my mother um my husband can attest to this she spoils everything my whole life she is yes. i'll pick up a book and she'll be like oh my god wait till you get to the end when this happens so spoilers do not bother me i i, I can still sometimes they make you want to see it you're like yeah I gotta, sometimes I gotta, they do so. but you know even if i know how it's going to end because i had a lot of spoilers for game of thrones even though i knew stuff was going to happen i still enjoyed the experience now some people like sean he hates spoilers hates them absolutely just yeah. well it'll ruin he will not even watch the movie or he won't read the book my my entire life ne <laughs> never let me have one single surprise never I was, yeah, I, I, knew, just, I knew every book, I knew every present I was getting, I knew everything <laughs> about everything. Oh. Yeah, that's just a mother trope. I literally, uh, this past I like Sunday, I, I spent I spent uh, 40 minutes on video chat with my mother explaining to her uh, what, what's happening in Justice League. Okay, so who's this guy with Batman? That's Cyborg, Ma. <laughs> uh. I love Cyborg. Yeah, Cyborg is awesome. He's a character I enjoy. But, is there uh, any cyborg uh, that anyone doesn't like? Just saying. I even like him on Teen Titans Go, and that's the most annoying show ever. He's probably no one that. likes that show. <laughs> I like that show. I hated it uh, at first, because but because uh, I'm like so Starfire. Like Starfire's character is just me. 
for real. <laughs> That's how it ends. The kitties and the peace and love. And the, but when she gets mad, she's like, Rrr. If we're talking cyborgs, can I just say, I love Deadly Friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> you leave that in the past. You need to let it go. It's one of those things like Monster Squad. Like it's not as good as you remember. And I actually uh, enjoyed the film when I first saw it as a kid. And I, I left you I, in the dust. I, no, Sean, I'm with you. I I worship the ground Deadly Friend walks on. The uh, I mean, it's 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 not like you know people shit on it for whatever. But I I remember it was one of my childhood favorites. It's still one of my favorites. So the the only problem I have with it is the ending. Like the ending is like really you, you chose to end it on that. But it's such a beautiful story. I love it so much, and I I I, 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 I die. It was a neat. Thematically, it was very neat. Um. And and there were just elements that I could identify with it, but you know, it just I don't think sometimes nostalgia tricks us, you know. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I did that with Monster Squad. I learned that with Monster Squad because Monster Squad was you know huge when I was a kid, and I watched it, and I was watching the real show by then, and I was like, oh, that was fun, you know. And then I showed it to my kids, and they were like, Are you kidding me? This is the <laughs> worst movie I've ever seen. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm sorry, you're right. It's it's really bad. I'm sorry. I I'm a big proponent of that with the like with the original Star Wars. Like you know, it's uh, a fine film. Like the, the nostalgia blinds people to the problems. Like people were like, "Oh my god, the prequels are terrible!" And then it's like, "Well, if you watch the original Star Wars, you would have seen that coming." You know, because you know, I, as much as I love Mark Hamill, he's terrible in certain parts of that. Like his first line. Well, I was going to just not say things to get the public. That that's a good point. In that everyone's like Anakin's so whiny. I'm like, well, runs in the family. Luke spends the entire that, first yeah, movie Luke being a total bitch. Whole... Yeah, Luke Han <laughs> Solo and Obi Wan to say, hey man, it's time to be a Team man. Solo. <laughs> All right, like you you don't get into the greatness of Star Wars until you hit. Empire Strikes Back. That's why I'm starting to think oh, Empire Strikes Back. That is like one of my favorite movies of all time. The best, I think that's the just, Empire Strikes Back was. A, I'm starting to believe Empire Strikes Back was a fluke because I mean I love Return of the Jedi because it was the first start. Uh, yeah, but this, the this fucking Ewoks. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was one Return of the, the first Jedi. movies I ever saw in theaters. Me my mom too. took me when I was a little girl, and I I saw it in the theaters, and I was of course young i was probably right. what three or four i think i was four and um i was young but then ewok you know sort of like baby yoda is now ewoks were everywhere and they did ewok mm-hmm. movies and i had to go see those in a the theater and i look back and i'm like those were the biggest pieces of shit i've ever <laughs> seen in my life <laughs> you cannot trust your younger self you cannot right. trust what's, it what's funny is I think the Ewoks work better in those standalone TV movies, but like you say, and when you cross it over with the regular Star Wars stories, much like the Gun Guns, it is just one of those. It's like, why are they in this fucking movie? Did someone just blend two movies together to their producer metal? It's like, no, it's just Lucas and his disorganized narrative. Yeah. And so, like, like but, the whole like, empire gets toppled by a fucking by by tiny little bears. Like, look out, he's got a spear. I know. <laughs> oh I, no. And the fan, the Star Wars fans will always defend it. They're like, they have every problem with everything else, but they're like, oh, see, there's a lot of them. I'm like, again, these guys are no more than I'm like four feet. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I will never defend that. Absolutely not. There's no excuse. I mean, see, you see, this is why Star Trek is better, because at least 
the most loaded Wesley Crusher, he went on to have a career. What are the Ewoks or Jar Jar John Lately? Right. Uh, Jar Jar started the Clone Wars. Thank you. If we are going to go like Star Trek versus Star Wars, I, I am a Star Wars person. Sorry. Not right I now, do like please. Star Trek, but I like Star Wars a lot better. And I'm a, the Star Trek uh, that I'm familiar with is a little bit of Next Generation. And I'm, I am very familiar with the original series and the, and the movies, the original oh, movies. Coming back to horror, I think a lot yes, of us just please, relate to, uh, a lot of us relate to track just because it, it did kind of have a lot of, even though it has a core story. It often would have a lot of Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, yes. you know, yeah, moments. Absolutely. Uh, there would always be the, I think someone's encapsulated and in, in a, you know, trapped in their room. They can't see anything. Yeah. And so. Original Trek was very Monster of the Week, you know, like every, everything was like, you know, episodic, you know, compared to today's television where everything is just like one singular story, you know. And that was the beauty of original Star Trek. But, um, no, 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 no. I, I will. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. Is, uh, you know, I will die for Star Trek. I literally will. It's one of those uh, divisive things in fandom. Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh, try me. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, from a screenwriting perspective, you know that is kind of just the essence of everything. Everything has to have a gimmick, whether it's pretentious or well thought out, or you know you're being taken advantage of. So it is all a matter of it's like, okay. Here's the formula, and does it work? Well, yeah, wrestling is a perfect example of, of course, it's all, it is kind of stupid when I see people figure out that reality shows or live stuff is staged, and I'm like, anyone could have told you that. I mean, if it's too good to be true, yeah, of course it's staged, and so what? That's the point. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to go back to, get back on track really quick. I want to think about, like, what is the most modern movie that you've seen? And it could be, you know, in our time span that we've spoken of, that you've seen in the theaters that really stayed with you, that really scared you. What is the modern film that you've seen in theaters that did that? Uh, Um, I will go out on the limb. I'll be the first one to go out on the limb. And, um... The original, the the first one, the the Strangers. Yeah, the Strangers was that type of film where it's like you know it's 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 a mid budget movie. It's not that low budget, but it's not that big budget either. You know, it's got like you know kind of big stars with Liv Tyler, it's got Speedman, but it's just it 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 surpasses it like it goes beyond trying to get you jump scares and it just it hits you with that that perfect amount of dread. Now that's one thing I love about horror movies is just just that unsurmounting tension and dread where it's just like as the running time goes along and the movie goes along it's just like you're just become more and more scared for what's going to happen to these people and it's just like it becomes like the the more you go along it's the more it's like oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen what's gonna happen until <laughs> like you know moms are sweaty and all that You're right like, oh shit it's it, it's 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 like it's the the hitchcock thing you know the bomb under the table you know okay. where it's just like you know you, you're just waiting for something to happen and that's scarier than something actually happening where it's just Absolutely. like you're, you're waiting for you know you're just waiting for that that inevitable moment where the killer is finally pounce upon the main characters 
And that's scarier than anything else than just, you know, somebody jumping out of the closet going, booga, booga, boogie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Your jump scares. Yeah, I, I would much rather do the dread and, and the surmounting fear, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's more important to me than anything else. There's always going to be praise for Mike Flanagan on the show. Uh, hey, we've, we've all seen Oculus, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You remember how the ending, you kind of know what's about to happen, but it's still a very fucked up moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I think I, I remember filling my teeth for a moment. I'm like, damn, <laughs> even though I didn't bite into that apple, I could have sworn, you know, uh, that that was a very painful sounding jaw crunch. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents have hysterical memories from being at the theater. My mother wasn't a horror gal, but she always got dragged to all the big epics by her mother. And one of them happened to be Jaws, and she kicked the guy in front of her, in the seat in front of her, for the final reveal. Uh, my dad was hammered. My, my, my dad was hammered uh, in college one time, and he saw one of the Friday the 13th bullshit movies. I think one of the the very first one. And, and basically, there's a, a death in a closet, you know? Mm. Everyone remember the moment? I think it's, the, it's either one or two. And, and everybody just starts screaming. And then they all start guffawing together because it's just so absurd. And <laughs> everyone's drunk and having a fun time. So it's just what that there, there is something to be said for the theater. And unfortunately, I've Absolutely. had so many negative theater experiences. And, you know, even before Corona, I was just like, yeah, it's really got to be something that's like, yeah, let's go see this. It will make a difference if you see it, you know, with the sound what, system what? and the. One negative experience I had was, uh, I mean, it wasn't like negative, but it was just annoying. Was uh, I remember going to see I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. And, just, <laughs> and, and I realizing, saw all those in the theater, unfortunately. Like, I, I recently watched I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and I was like, wow, this isn't as bad as I remember. This is actually quite decent. But I remember seeing it in the theater, and I'm like, wow, this is terrible. And the the, the most annoying thing about that was, People will scream for any little thing. Yeah, it's just like so, yeah, something happens, and it's so. like ah, and it's like that wasn't even scary. What the fuck are you screaming about? Uh, yeah, and and it's, it that's the most forever. annoying thing ever. Okay, you know. Sean, what's your uh, scary mm. modern theater experience? Do we have to go theater? Because I don't go to the theater very often. I'm. <laughs> Okay, I guess not, then, um, I'm in just general. joking. <laughs> so, the last thing that, that truly caught me off guard that, that actually, like, terrified me, on Shudder, there is a documentary series called True Horror. And yeah. there was an episode, and, you know, it's a documentary, but they, they film, you know... A dramatization? Know, right, yeah, dramatization. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. And it was... I've pretty sure it was the first episode uh it's called the witch's prison and yeah there was a scene that candy you may remember it i mean I'm it, sure actually, I it actually <laughs> caused me to yelp but it was one of those scenes where like the camera kind of rotates through the room and as the camera comes back around there's this spirit or you know whatever it was in front of the camera and it caught me off guard and it actually you know, I I, I kind of yelped. I mean, you know, I'm it not ashamed. But because you know, I didn't, and, for and once. that that whole that whole documentary series—it's only four episodes, unfortunately. And it's I would, British. I'd love to see more. British. 
but it's it's very well done and the dramatizations are very well done. But yeah, it it caught me off guard. Right. Yeah. Daniel. Don't breathe. <laughs> the, the movie Don't Breathe, just uh that initial scene where the blind man tells them you're gonna be seeing what I see and flips the light off and you realize they, they never had the advantage on him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed it. That was uh Don't Breathe was actually very, very effective in you know jump scares done right because you yes. get you get that building sense of paranoia. Yeah, Don't Breathe was actually very, very well done. I mean that the, the plot the... at the end were batshit insane, but for the most <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. Um well I like it too because it uh you, you have the the guy who made the remake of the Evil Dead and you know, it's this big gory thing and then like you know he does don't breathe and it's kind of like almost the opposite where it's like you know you have one that's, location that's visual, but more, more psychological yeah you know and that was probably you know I like like I said before I love that you know unsurmounting sense of dread and suspense factor you know psychological stuff you know that's what scares me the most and you know yeah yeah cool. yeah but don't breathe yeah don't breathe is a really good one it's even more fun when you watch a movie and everyone's debating what they actually saw and they're like I swear I saw something and they rewind I swear I saw it I'm like what are you talking about I don't see anything <laughs> For me, I have, like, three quick things that I want to touch on. Probably the scariest, the one that I left and I was absolutely terrified for, like, several nights. And you're going to laugh. It's, it was the first paranormal activity. My son People was the ending young. for years. And that was when bootlegged stuff on the internet first became something that the feds had to combat. But everybody was leaking the ending and showing the video. And it was just wild. <laughs> yeah, well... At the time, um, the Pierre campaign for it, they wouldn't show anything about the movie. They just showed audiences freaking out. And I was like, yeah, I, I gotta see that. this movie. I gotta that's see this what movie. Maybe, yeah, that's what yeah. made me want to see it, too. Because they wouldn't tell you anything about it. And so I went and saw it, and I was just, it was one of the, it was really well done, shoestring budget, but I mean, it was just so effective. And it just, it came together so well, and it literally just scared the shit out of me because it was a building dread. The first time they're watching the tape and she gets out of bed, she's just standing there. That scared the shit out of me. I don't know why that particularly. It was just so fucking creepy because like hours would go by and she's just standing there. And I'm like, why is that scaring me so bad? And then, of course, everything happens and it's just, it's a slow build and, and it's just these little bitty things and it becomes bigger things and then bigger, bigger things. And, you know, I was terrified when I went home. And, I hope and, whoever the guys that they hire trailers that they really do just start breaking down on is like, okay, we either got to do what they did with paranormal activity or we got to do what Christopher Nolan does where we have a trailer, but it's more of a teaser. Here's what you're going to see. Yeah. And before you know it, five seconds have flown by and you already want to see it. You don't know why. And that's why it's going to be even more effective because we have, we can't, you can't come to us and say, we have lied to you. So that's the thing. Well, that's why I, people uh, get pissed off. Is they're yeah, like, you I, lied to I was just, so terrified though when i came home i like i said i slept with the lights on for several days my son was young and he would get out of bed and he wanted to get in bed with me all the time and uh he he did that for years but <laughs> i woke up that night and because i i i don't sleep well and i woke up and there's my son just standing there at the side of the bed <laughs> <laughs> and you know. i thought i was going 
to lose my fucking mind. I was so <laughs> terrified. I was like, this is my baby boy, but oh my God. You know, he was young, young, young. But um, there was that. And then um, also, like I, I mentioned, The Conjuring was well done. It didn't have the same effect on me that uh, Paranormal Activity did. But I remember when we left the theater, we started talking. And that's when I first heard the story about the Ouija board and the house burning down. And, you know, just sharing these stories, uh, Sean and I. And, you know, we just had this kind of, like, dread, creepy feeling. And the end of it it was just it was really effective it was it, like i said it wasn't the same i didn't i wasn't like up all night or anything but it was just it was interesting it was, it was well done and then also jump scares done right um as i spoke about last episode um the haunting of hill house the jump scares are done right i've never seen jump scares done so well all the history of all the horror i've ever watched it's so well done well, that also tells right. you well, that, and it tells you that they're actually looking for feedback. Someone's definitely doing a test screening, you know, after each edit is done, just go, saying, hey, let's go into our private room and look at how well, this and looks. And you can picture. tell that they they thought about it. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, jump scares are, are people, you know, you know, they got to keep people's interest. So every five minutes, you got to jump scare. Every, you know, whether it's cheap or whether it's earned, you know, and it's, it's so predictable. You could, you know, any horror fan who watches these, can almost tell you, like, okay, here it comes. All right, here it is. Okay, here we go. But, you know, Haunting Hill House did it right. And that was not on the big screen. That was on, you know, Netflix's Netflix series. I'm really looking forward to the next uh, story that they do. But if you haven't seen it, really binge it. It's so great. Yeah, you will not be able to stop watching. It's so good. It's Are we so going to do an episode on it in the future? Oh, God, I wish. I hope so. I oh. hope um, when that, we get that'd season be great. two, we that'd start be doing individual things um i would like to cover that it would be so great because it is okay. i would love to watch it again because i know there's stuff that i missed i would love to rewatch it so. i'm done anyway that, that's my that's my uh period at the end of the sentence <laughs> i think we covered a lot of topics some of it didn't really make sense but that's okay it doesn't have to <laughs> no, I I was laughing because uh, when you said about the uh, paranormal activity and you said, oh, yeah, yeah, your son at the bed, and, and it reminded me of a story about um, my mother had watched. I told you my mother doesn't lo- like horror movies particularly, much. right? But uh, for 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 a reason, after I was I was born, like I said, I was born in eighty four, so I was relatively still a baby when uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out on video and like or cable, and she watched it, and then um, she 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 couldn't sleep for the rest of the night, and then I was in my crib crying, and she refused to come and check on me, oh and, and like she she had to wake my my father up, and, and like, oh, what what's the matter? Like the baby's crying. Okay, go see why. What's the matter? <laughs> you see, you see, you see, Denise. I told you not to watch a fucking movie. You said I'm not getting up. You better get up. <laughs> I was like, thanks, thanks, mom, thanks, mom. Well, I'm screaming in my bed. That scene particularly was. resonated with me, um, with the her standing by the edge of the bed like that for hours. Is um, mm-hmm. as a child, I had very more pronounced. Uh, sleep disorders than I do now which is that's saying a lot okay um but what I used to do as a child is my mom always bought me like these long white nightgowns and I would mm-hmm. walk in my sleep and I would sleep with my eyes open 
And so what I would do is I would walk into a room and I, I have no memory of this. I only know what she told me. And I'd be standing there in this long white nightgown with my eyes open at the end of her waterbed and just stand there for hours. <laughs> and she said she was so terrified. And, you know, and then she finally started calling my name and I wouldn't respond. And then she, it took her a while and she'd figure out that I was asleep with my eyes open, standing there at the end of her bed for a long time. And it, was, it would just terrify her every night. I'm like, good God, that was horrible. <laughs> so yeah, so that's why I'm like, that, that just resonated with me because I don't remember that. But my mom said it happened many times when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh shit, what was I doing? Right. Scary. <laughs> so yeah, like there were so many things that like, I was like, oh my God, you know, and it's just sort of like that bump in the night kind of thing. It just, it preyed mm-hmm. on everything. It was really, really great. Help me with my already sleepless nights. Speaking <laughs> of which, I'm about ready to call it a night. I think it's time. So let's go ahead and plug you. Go ahead, uh, Daniel. Well, uh, I've got some articles coming for House of Tortured Souls, uh, reviews coming from my channel, uh, one of which is a collaboration with another YouTuber, Mr. Meat Hook. Feel free to check him out. He's awesome. Uh, so keep an eye out. It's all coming up. Yay. Rob. Oh, well, uh, as always, you can find me uh, the Cinema Drunkie on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. You can find me as the Cinema Drunkie on Twitter. You can find my numerous writings on the Ultimate Action Movies Club, uh, ActionFlix.com, House of Tortured Souls, and uh, uh, my own personal blog, TheCinemaDrunkie.wordpress.com, and my upcoming podcast, Big Peter Brooklyn Bros on the Bridge, a Star Trek podcast coming soon. Nice. Exciting. Cameron. I have a few interviews with various cult figures coming out on the Action Elite. I've got a few other additional episodes coming out just because everyone needs some extra laughs to be heard uh, verbally Uh, on my Jacked Up Review Show podcast. Other than that, um, you can always hear me on being on Candy's Roundtable. So, um, Mm -hmm. This was a really cool uh, topic because, I mean, it was just talking about just the various marketing strategies as well as the different formulas that are or are not working. And also, just a a heads up, uh, we will be discussing demonic and or possession movies on our next episode. Yeah. Sean, any plugs? Anything you want to say? I would just like to plug all of you wonderful people. And all of our members. Yeah. Well, we certainly deserve it. Um, I guess I will plug um, my stuff. I had a really fun researched article uh, on my blog, uh, candycoatedhorror.wordpress.com. Um, it's one of my history of horror articles. I was very excited to write it. It's been an article many years in the making. because I couldn't find information for years about it. And also... Uh, you can find me on Cameron's Jacked Up Review podcast. Fuck it up again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also here every week on the House of Screams. Let's look forward to talking about demons next week. I'm excited. Should be fun. Yes. All right, everyone, have a all. nice and spooky night. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>